Well, everybody, welcome back to the Colding Careers. Um, sat here today with Nicholas Tan. Uh, he's been difficult to, to get hold of. He's a he's a he's a busy chap, um, but he's look. He's an accomplished leader uh, with a broad experience across digital, CX transformation, strategy, architecture, and and solution design engineering. And he's got a strong customer focus as well. So Nick's currently the CTO at Maneuver. Uh, and he's led engineering and architecture teams at the likes of Macquarie Bank, News Corp and KPMG. Now, and, and as well as that, he was also performing a global service owner role at, at CBA. So he actually started his professional career uh, as an Air Force pilot at the Royal Australian Air Force, which I think is pretty cool. We just had a bit of a chat about that. Um, sounds like a tough selection process, so uh, I'll be staying away, staying away from that one. But for those that you don't know, Manuva, so they were awarded the fintech organisation uh, of the year 2022, and they're a leader in the B2B payment space. So, Nick, thanks for coming on the show. Um, really appreciate your your time. And I know it, it took it took a while for me to get hold of you, but but welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. It's, uh, it's really great to, to be here. I'm, I'm really impressed by uh, the podcast you've um, put together. As you said, it's a, it's a topic that's not covered well uh, around the, the range of podcasts that are, are available in the tech space. So really happy to sort of, I suppose, just talk about my story and, and hope that provides some uh, inspiration or, or thoughts for, for people to dwell on themselves. Appreciate that. And why why do you think there's not a lot out there? Just before we jump into the show, in terms of this this topic specifically why do you think there's not a lot of resources out there because it's such an important part of the of your career i suppose um you know with technology there's such a um a change in new technology all the time so a lot of focus is all what's on the bright and shiny and the new and so there's a lot of content for people to generate you know podcasts and talk about what's the latest in tech and and it's all um sort of focused on the technology itself um, you know, there's some things around, you know, digital transformation and the whole topic around, you know, why does certain IT projects fail or why are they successful, but they really get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, and, and that's probably just a missing space where it's easy to talk about the new tech, but actually getting into the, under the covers of that. And as you said, the content, you know, people like myself who, you know, we don't like to talk about ourselves really. So it's self, self-deprecation as well. So yeah. you've got to, you've got to e- eke it out of us. So. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's an, that's an interesting point. Now, Take it, maybe take the the audience back to sort of a bit of a background about your career. Obviously, we know I know you started in defence, but how you really sort of got involved in 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 tech, and you, you know, take us back to the sort of the first line of code or the first sort of part of your career where you was really heading heading that way. Uh, yeah, there's two parts. I've always had a, a interest in in computers. Uh, and you asked me that when I was a f- wrote my first line of code, and I, I was thinking back, scurrying around, uh, you know, back it came out as a Commodore 64 on display, and I was just surreptitiously typing in, you know, uh, 10 print, uh, some rude saying, uh, 20, you know, go to 10, <laughs> hit return and run away while the screen goes sort of crazy. Um, and, and that just had a, an underlying, um, I suppose, interest around IT. Yes, uh, I started my career. Um, as a pilot, I actually went through the Defence Academy, but actually studied um, a, a degree and had a, graduated with a, a degree in information systems, uh, and also through the Air Force uh, completed a master's in organisational behaviour and information systems. So there was always an underlying uh, interest and intent uh, through there. And one of my last postings uh, after my flying career was actually working on Defence Command and Control Systems, which was really uh, sort of, I suppose, 
what defense was doing at the start of the internet uh, internally uh, in terms of their their services yeah yeah and in terms of your your career like having that sort of background you feel like that's because you're different to a lot of the leaders that i've spoken to in terms of, of your background and the experience that you've had is that do you think that sort of experience in the air force has helped you sort of where you are today i suppose that it uh there's a natural affinity because there's a lot of um, leadership training that comes with the uh, development that you have within the Defence Force. And so that is something that is not um, provided at a junior manager level versus being it's kind of like job one uh, when you're getting recruited as an officer. So I suppose I'm lucky that I've had that to fall back on as a more general level of training or experience to, to reflect on and use as you go into uh, situations where you're provided uh, you know the opportunity to to be a, a leader both at a, both the team level and then as you you move up in the company in terms of wider levels of responsibility. Yeah, interesting. And everyone's view is different um, in terms of what makes a good software engineer. But hearing it from yourself and the software engineers that are listening, what what makes a good software engineer stand out? I think there's a, a an innate um, curiosity. Um, and, you know, there's lots of, as I said before, technologies come and go, so it's not being around a, a complete expert on that, but certainly that, um, that curiosity, that intent to, to solve, being a problem solver, uh, and then sort of everyone's got a bag of tricks around how they come to that. Um, uh, obviously, they've solved different problems in the past, and, and so then you build up, uh, you know, that body of knowledge, a body of uh, expertise for that. Yeah. Um, then the second part, I think we talk about T-shaped engineers. So you've got that deep speciality around that, that software. But I think today, uh, certainly as more tooling becomes um, available, there's a lot more self, uh, I suppose, self-control people have, you know, we're talking about small, more small teams versus um, segmenting up work into smaller parts. So the T-shaped engineer in terms of having broad knowledge and understanding of the context, even as far as the business context, right? So why am I doing this? What's, what's the actual output? That's yeah. that, that the value is being provided at the business level is key as well. You don't just want to be uh, in a pocket, you know, doing something and throwing it out because otherwise become a commodity and then that, you know, you're not going to be, uh, you know, value to yourself. Is that is that the difference you think between sort of being a junior and mid-level then to being a senior or, or sort of a leader in this space where you actually, you understand what you're building and why and you understand commercially a bit more about the problems that you're, you're solving rather than just having your head in, head in the cold? Yeah, I think, I mean, as you inter interact, you know, as you're developing through a particular, you know, story or what's what's the definition of, of done, as you can tease, tease that out, that definitely helps uh, provide, and the context is everything around why you're, why you're doing that particular problem. So, yeah. and it helps you collaborate as well. So, you know, in terms of if you're working with a, a tech BA or, or a kind of a, a data person, so, you know, that whole collaboration is going to help yeah. understand the flow. And this... You know, I, spoke, I speak to a lot of leaders and I speak to a lot of companies as well where they're investing a lot of money in terms of certs, helping engineers with, with certs. Um, from a collaboration point of view, a lot of hackathons. Um, but there's not there's not a lot that companies are doing in terms of helping engineers transition. Now, is it, are you doing sort of anything different in that space? Or how, how would you say, um, from your point of view, say if you're working with a, a senior engineer who's... He's got, you know, he's, he's, he's hungry, he's delivering, um, he's asking all the right questions, but he wants to sort of transition into more of that leadership role. How would you go about helping him do that? Yeah, I've, 
always a big fan of people, um, I suppose, uh, showcasing or actually doing the role that they're going to be moving into. Um, and Before. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so, um, as you said, around opportunity. So if, if people are, and I'll, I'll be very open to say, look, if, if you want to lean in, I will help you, you lean in. And that just sets it out. Because normally, um, you know, particularly if you're setting out people who want to recommend someone for a promotion or something, you're doing it within your peer group. So you might be sitting at a, a leadership group, you've got group HR and things like that. Um, you know, and you've had plenty of situations where you know directly, oh, this person's great and they'd be great for the role. I've seen them do that stuff um, uh, and they can actually step up into that role. And you have this broader discussion around that decision table and says, okay, we're talking about person X, Y, Z, what do you think? And everyone's like, who? But, you know, like, what have they done, right? So, so people have a bias, whether they say it or not. But, but if you've said, oh, yeah, that person, you know, they took on that one piece of work and ran it themselves and, and you know, there's some, some runs on the board there, there's a lot easier conversation when you're then recommending someone forward because they've got that kind of proven track record. It's not about doing it day in, day out, but you've given that opportunity to have one or two examples yeah. that you can then bring, bring to the table. Okay, so start doing the role rather than coming and knocking on the door and saying, "Look, Nick, I've been working working my socks off. Um, I, I deserve a promotion." You know, you'd probably look at that and go, "Well, you should already be doing the role if you're going to be looking for the promotion without the title." Because I think a lot of people get caught up with fancy titles as well this day and age. Um, and what's your thoughts on that, by the way? Because obviously, in my space. Um, feedback I can probably give to, to engineers but keen to get yours is it's more about the environment that you're in and what you're building and what problems you're solving and the products that you, or the, the features that you've actually owned rather than sort of being a part of a team as well. Do you do you think it's more important to have that title but not to be working on sort of real world problems um, as, as opposed to having a great title but sort of, you know, not working in a good environment, but I'm a lead engineer, it looks better. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? Um, if I look at someone's CV and we're recruiting someone, I, I spend about two microseconds on their last title and I go straight to what's their experience? Okay. What have they, what's the work that they've delivered? And most of the interview would be talking about that, teasing out that, you know, actually, do they really know the content? So, I, you know, I did X, Y, and Z sort of, well, did you really? Like, let's, <laughs> let's double click into that sort of thing. So, um, because... You know, uh, in terms of title leveling, you've got some larger companies where you've got some of the most, um, you know, benign titles in the world. And, you know, that person's like some Nobel Prize winning PhD <laughs> kind of yeah. sort of thing. So it, it's not completely uh, behind there. So, I mean, I think there's usefulness in the titles around, you know, the functions of work and uh, particular competency areas you are. And, and there are kind of, I suppose, different levels, particularly around being an individual contributor versus uh, like an engineering lead, for instance. And so when you're looking at that uh, different type of skills, a different type of skill set you might be looking at. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, did, I definitely wouldn't um, be kind of slaving after the title. But I think back to your point around um, development planning, and I think that's the piece where uh, if you want to get recognised for the development, have a, have a great, you know, good conversation, productive conversation at any time, but, but in terms of where you want to... To evolve into and say, well, you know, I'm seen as an individual contributor at the moment. So what's, how do I make, make that expand? How do you trust, you know, 
trust me so I can get given more accountability or I can get, you know, rather than some small piece of work, you can give me something more end-to-end. I can coordinate that with other engineers as a small virtual team, right? So that's the thing where there's a lot of the work is broken down now where you're just kind of developing small parts of capability. You know, we want to have a tighter release cycle. So it shouldn't just be around you individually contributing. Maybe it's collaborating with one or two and you kind of have that little kind of you know tiger team that kind of goes away does something for three weeks and gets it done and then breaks up sort of thing so that that's the conversation you should be having to saying like well you know if those opportunities are coming up you know just remember i'm i'm really keen to take on some of that because then that that sits with that person they're in a conversation and something's coming around the, the lt table or something and we've got some special project coming up or something like that and you're like oh yeah i remember that person was going keen yeah to do it because it is hard because sometimes you might say like you know in your meeting mighty mo everyone's 100% maxed at the moment. So I don't want to load someone up, mm. you know, and get, put them up, put put extra work on them. But if you know someone's kind of actually hungry and wants to take on something, you can go like, oh, actually, there's something come up. Can you take this on? And they'll have a, you know, they'll be like, oh, great, thanks for remembering and I'm yeah. happy to take that on. And be, it's a flywheel, right? So then they've done that, they go away, they do it, they've got some proof points. You're then more confident to allocate that, yeah. you know, more and more responsibility and accountability. So Yeah. And I think that's an interesting, interesting answer. And obviously, you're, you're you're a CTO now. When you first started as a CTO, you've obviously learned a lot of lessons from now and to sort of where you are. What would you do differently if you knew what you knew now? And you can't say you can't say nothing. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> like, is there, is there real, obviously there's quite a few things that you could probably go through, but in terms of sort of what you would learn if you were to start again now, knowing what you know, is there something that you could look back at and go, I should have done that sooner or I shouldn't have done that? Yeah, it's kind of hard. I mean, look, I, I, I've taken a lot of cues from other leaders that I've worked with in the past in terms of, you know, what's what's worked well and and what hasn't and and so uh there's probably um yeah it's hard it's hard to reflect on what you might do differently but i think there's definitely areas where um you know picking uh you know the 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 the, the team you have and and working through that is very 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 important and so um not not that i changed the current team it's a fantastic team at the moment but it always um, thinking about maybe starting some of those roles earlier or something like that yeah. to, to give you that. Um, I, you know, first one to put my hand up and say that I, I, I don't delegate everything that I probably should. So there's a whole, a whole kind of stuff there that, that can be delegated down and that is more of a growth thing. You just need to, to work through, through that. So, um, that's probably one piece where you want to make the, the team hum, you know, get your second, second line, uh, working well. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And what, what, if you're, if you're, say for instance, you're um, a leader at the moment, but in terms of being being quite hands on, um, I'm probably saying like you're probably about seventy percent hands on, but you're about to transition into a role where that's probably going to reverse, um, and you're going to be sort of stepping away from the tools as such. How do you effectively manage that in terms of? With the business, how how would you manage their expected, and how would you know what what sort of conversations can you be having to to ensure that you know you're not you're not getting judged on people management, even though you've got to jump back into the back into the cold because th- that seems to be a bit of a problem in the market at the moment where 
someone will come in and do a leadership role, but then they're only going to be doing being on the cold 20%, but now that's turning to 70%, but then they've still got all these other expectations to meet and they're just not meeting them, which just cre creates stress. Um, and the engineers, the leaders feel like they're not fulfilling themselves, which is not a good position for anyone to be in. How do you have them types of conversations, sort of in your opinion? Um, yeah, look, it, it's, it's back to that sort of delegation piece. And it is one of those items where particularly in, in smaller companies, at the end of the day, you're are being held accountable for different outcomes and deliverables. So if you have some resource constraints and you, you know, you've got to roll the sleeves up, as you say, and, and get into that. I think um, part of it is just putting in good systems. So having uh, a tempo around addressing or looking at different parts of you know, how you're running engineering or technology. So certainly, you know, one of the things I had put in when I first started uh, a lot of focus was really more on the output and the development side of it, uh, and not so much on the service manage and all the incident richer. So we've, you know, we've established weekly tempo around incident reviews. Um, we've got other um, tempos as well. The daily standups are there. So I think if you've got that regimented um, processes, that provides a really good support framework because it gives you dedicated uh, sets of time, right? So rather than like, oh, we'll talk about maybe that incident and try and get onto how we can improve some engineering practices tomorrow and tomorrow never happens but if you've got that in the diary it's already there the team and other you know you've got customer success you've got other parts of the stakeholders that have that locked in then it gives you that you know sometimes it's a 10 minute conversation a week right that didn't have we haven't had any incidents it's all good sometimes it's a longer period it actually um, puts that out but i think it's very helpful to have that sort of framework of engagement around the other parts of what your responsibilities are on top of then your individual contribution so, yeah yeah no interesting Interesting. And what about? Not not that you should burn yourself out, but no. as an individual contributor, you can code at 2 a.m. Yeah. There's no meetings happening at 2 a.m. So, you know, if you've set the all those up and you've got that, the business side and the actual company integrate interrelationships happening in set periods, then, you know, you've got the rest of the 23 hours of the day to do what you want to do. Yeah. And what about working backwards then? Because there is a common thing in the market where someone, people sort of jump into leadership roles they try it and it's just not for them but then they sort of feel like oh I want to get back on the tools but I feel like I'm taking a step back to do so um what's your what's your thoughts on that like if someone was going through that how would you invite how would you advise um, I think it depends on the company I think there's definitely been some improvements you know probably over the say the five 10 years really we've been kind of more on that that cloud side of technology where um you know in the past to really to get a promotion to you know to get paid more and obviously advance in your career you had to get on the management track and you kind of just had to take on more and more people so yeah um a lot of companies or you know maybe the companies that you'd prefer to work to are now um managing a, a dual track where they would you know they have you know, titles like up to distinguished engineer where they've recognized that the contribution of you know, individual contributor is as valuable or or you know more um, and it's definitely been led by the sort of you know the the unicorn sort of companies where they've obviously the whole company runs on their engineering talent and they've had to foster and, and make sure that they're you know compensated yeah correctly so now you'll have some legacy companies that don't see it that way it's always managing all the you know the highway in terms of that so that's an individual decision where you have to to make and say well you know if i'm at a particular company right now but they only recognize a management track as a way to advance my career and i'm not 
seeing that, then my recommendation is really, well, you're going to have to, you know, look yeah. look at a, another company that's in an area that you want to work in because everyone wants to work in a particular, you know, I suppose the 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 purpose of that company aligns with their, um, you know, what, what they want to do as well, and then uh, their approach to engineering and how they want to foster the development of, of their engineers. Yeah, interesting. I think that would help a lot of people because hmm. um, hmm. it's it can be quite a challenge, but at the end of the day, you've got to try things to know yeah. if it's the right thing to do. And you're not, sometimes you, well, a lot of the time you don't know until you do it. Cause and if I, you over, if you sort of overstudy it and overthink it and don't jump in, how are you going to know? Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a tenuous thing. It's not about, it's not about tenure. It's not like how long you've, you've been there. So that's the other thing as well. You've got to show strong growth, strong development and, and not about being a complete loner, but you know, you've still got to have strong collaboration traits. Yeah. Uh, and it, so that's where obviously who gets selected to um, to continue on that and be recognised is still at management discretion, right? So it's kind of it's still you've still got to be able to prove that you're a bit of a dare I say ten x I hate that term, but uh, <laughs> you know you can be a be a broader person. I mean, interestingly, reflecting on my Air Force time, there was uh, an individual track if you wanted to stay flying, for instance, that you could. Um, do that you didn't have to go into the management track and that was you know 20 25 years ago they were yeah. providing that but it was wasn't for everyone you had you know there were certain people so they have like say, a flight command or something like that or someone who's the, the qfi and they'd go right okay if they want to keep on flying we'll support that because we're really short of qfis and that's you know there's a need issue there as well so yeah but it was good to see that was something that was a concept a long time ago yeah so. yeah so what's what's next for for nick then uh, well, just doubling down, um, maneuvers uh, been growing. You know, great guns over the last uh, five years on the back of uh, really a once in a generation change in, in payment rails in Australia with real time payments coming in. We've we've just ticked over, a, processed over a hundred billion uh, in in the system uh, this end of this year. So it's been a, a kind of great landmark number to hit on. Uh, MPPA and the um, new payments platform Australia is bringing in new features. And so next year we're supporting international payments through, through real-time payments. So there's always continued things to, to build and extend and uh, help excite our customers with. So. Yeah, nice. And um, sounds like a big year coming up then. Uh, yeah, every year seems to be <laughs> another year. So, um, uh, yeah, so, so last year was, was great with Pay2. We've got cards uh, cards acquiring now, so we're really rounding out the whole uh, checkout check well. check experience. Yeah, so with Poly, Poly Payments uh, being shut down by uh, Australia Post, which was great because when it was screen scraping, it was insecure. Yeah. Um, you know, for high-value payments where you don't want to get a credit card surcharge using Pay2 now uh, as the equivalent at checkout, uh, a, a fantastic alternative. It's great to have Bonza as the first airline uh, in that travel category where all of the spend is usually high, high payment. You don't want to pay 1.5% on a you know $1,000-plus payment sort of type thing. So uh, we're going to see a lot more of that, we think, in terms of the adoption of, uh, of, of pay to over credit cards. But uh, we, offer, we offer all of the choices uh, in terms of our, our checkout uh, our widget. Nice. Well, Nick, really appreciate you you're coming on the show. I think there were some words of wisdom there and you, you've covered a lot of areas. Um, there'll be a lot of software engineers that are listening um, and, it, and I think it's been quite unique as well, the background um, that you've sort of come from as well. Um, but you can tell that there's been a lot of sort of leadership skills that you've you've gathered along the way um, and some really interesting stories and, and concepts there. So I really appreciate you spending the time to, to come on the show. Um, not long until Christmas now, and you've, you've almost got that break up the coast. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for, for coming on. 
Great. No, really appreciate the invite to come on, Sam. And uh, yeah, hopefully people get something out of it. It's good. I'd also just have a crack, put your hand up, be, be uh, happy to lean in and uh, things will work out for you. Sounds good. Thanks, mate. Great. Thanks.